Do we have a treat for you? In this episode of Friends Fit 40s, Laura is going to talk all about one year post-surgery. She's going to open up her mind. She's going to open up her heart. She's going to share tips and tricks, insights, the up days and the down ones. Get your notebooks ready. Friends Fit 40s is coming up. Friends Fit 40s is brought to you by Laura Mullenbrook and Stephanie Whiteman. This is a podcast about our fitness and wellness journey. We are two working moms who seek to live our best life. However, we are novices in the world of fitness. We are excited to share our ups, our downs, and our roadblocks. Our journey has led us to emphasize the value of friendship, cooperation over competition, and celebrating the small victories along the way. This podcast is an invitation for you to laugh with us and actively construct your best day today and then again tomorrow. Welcome to Friends Fit 40s. Welcome to Friends Fit 40s. We are so glad that you're here with us today. So we have a very special interview with our very own Laura Muhlenbrook. She is going to give us an update on post-surgery one year after. And Laura, I'm going to have you go ahead and tell us about your surgery and the impetus for this podcast to begin with. Right. So August 31st, 2020, I had a full hysterectomy. Now, side note is that I did have a tube and ovary moved for another reason four years prior to that. But went ahead and had the full hysterectomy. And mind you, that I knew about the surgery about one week before it happened. So, you know, I knew there was some issues. We go in. That's what the surgeon recommends. Like, there's no other possibility of any way of solving this problem. And we just need to go ahead and do the full hysterectomy. So I wasn't prepared emotionally for that surgery before. In fact, there was probably a lot of some spiraling which I had never really done because I think of myself as a pretty stable person that way. But there was a lot of emotional to go through with preparing for that. Yeah. And and as I recall, your doctor actually wanted the surgery in less than a week. Right. right? Like four days after she told me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but it was the start of school and it was the start of a 2020 school year, knowing that things were going to look differently. And I'm like, oh, I need a week. I need a week to get my classroom ready before I'm going to be gone to do all this social distancing. So, yeah, there was just a lot to um, digest for sure. But I had a laparoscopic surgery, which is the way to go because the surgery itself, very smooth. I mean, I knew I had a very capable doctor. She's the same surgeon who did my tubal removal the four years before. And I feel like recovery from laparoscopic is a little bit easier. It's less invasive. So Laura gave us a little bit of information about her surgery and just kind of to bring us up to speed. But if you want all of the details, uh, she goes into it even more in depth in season one, episode five. So check that out. Season one, episode five. She'll tell you all the nitty gritties about surgery, why it happened, and pretty much like blow by blow so that if this is something that you are going through, a friend is going through, a significant other is going through. 
then Laura's story might be helpful as you're experiencing these kinds of things or thinking about somebody that is. So, Laura, you are now a year after your surgery. Tell us how you are today. So today, Stephanie, today was a big day. Today we ran eight miles. So the day before the surgery, a year ago, we knew the surgery was coming, you know, it happened fast. And we were like, well, we should probably run. We should probably do a long run because it's going to be a a hot minute before we get to do a long run again. So the day before the hysterectomy a year ago, we ran seven. And, And then it took a few months before we could run seven again. In fact, what? eight, nine, but we gradually built our way up to that. So, but yeah, today, I mean, today I feel good. Last night I slept. I am able to drink a little and not have that affect me because in the beginning it did. Alcohol. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Because <laughs> the water you drink all the oh, time. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So yes, I drink water. I'm a very good water drinker. I drink a lot of water. I try to hydrate. But in the very beginning after surgery, any type of alcohol basically triggered hot flashes, bad sleeping episodes. Mm. So I was like, ooh, is this? And now I, I do feel like I can't drink as much alcohol as I used to. But you know what? That's probably not a bad thing, you know, as we're on this wellness journey. In fact, I feel like I am pretty stable, like mood wise, because it was a rocky road of some mood swings that I was not aware what I knew would happen uh kind of came from surprise and I was like whoa who was that like that's not me so there are there were some moments of that and some moments of my family looking at me like and we never had to create a secret signal that was something I'd heard that maybe it was might be a good thing to do but my husband will just say hey what do you need you know and he he recognizes it so yeah so I feel pretty good that's fantastic was there ever a point just before your surgery, during your surgery, during your research, just after your surgery, that you felt like you may never be able to run again? Yes. Yes, all, to all those. So, you know, like I said, the day before we ran seven miles, and then I began to research, you know, how long can you run after a hysterectomy? How long does it take to get back to running? And the information out there among the web, among the research, it was few and far in between. In fact, I really didn't find much. I was, it made me feel a little hopeless in the fact that I'm like, okay, well, we want to run this half marathon. You know, we had goals. And is this all going to come to a screeching halt? And you also start to think, you know, because there was weight loss involved in this wellness journey. And I'm like, oh, am I going to gain all my weight back? So there was some definitely some down moments of and some scary dark moments of how my because I feel so much better and I I want to continue to feel better and there's no molasses and if I gain weight back then all that's going to come back and I won't be living my best life. So that was kind of why we decided to do this. One reason we decided to do this podcast is like if we can share the journey of getting fit, having a roadblock and then moving on. I and mean, at that point, we just hoped that we were going to move on. We, we figured we probably would, but we didn't know how it was going to work. Right. So there were, I mean, it was like, you know, run seven miles on August 30th. And then on September 1st, 
walk around the cul-de-sac. And hope that you yep. do okay. And hope that I do okay. And and so, yeah, there were definitely some dark moments. I mean, like I said, there was some spiraling before the, you know, the in the seven days before the surgery of just, you know, I knew I was done having kids, but then like I knew that was final. Like, there was no, there was going to be no oops. There was not going to be no, you know, this, you know, you hear about the stories of the kid 10 years later after the, you know, the first two kids you have, and there wasn't going to be that, you know? And so I had to find in my self that that was going to be okay. So definitely some dark times, but I had lots of people around me to help with that. So one of the things that is amazing about you, Laura, is that you search out information when you have questions. You try to be proactive in in figuring out how to solve problems. So what was some of the advice that you got during this time or that you found in all of your research that was helpful to you? So I found a great blog slash website community, histersisters.com. And with the way it's set up, it was a little confusing, but I, I would manage to figure it out. But basically, you could go in and you could find questions or topics, and then you could find people's response to those questions. So I went in and, you know, started looking for how soon could you run after surgery? When were you cleared from your doctor? And I found a lot of great information from there. I also reached out to my son's cross-country coach. And said, hey, you're a runner. You may have not had surgery, but where could I find? So she gave me a couple of articles to read about, you know, recovering after surgery. I knew that movement was important. So in the hospital, like I took some laps around, you know, the floor and, you know, like at the first day home, I think, I think you came the night I came home from the hospital and we did a short walk. I mean, and it was literally around the cul-de-sac. But then the next day it was a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And then gradually I started to speed up. In fact, a funny story was one of my friends who came to walk was like, well, you're walking faster than me and you just had surgery. <laughs> so, you know, I did, I had friends kind of like a schedule, a calendar of people who came and walked with me, especially in the very beginning, because it was the advice given was to not go out without somebody in case you get out and you've gone too far and you realize you can't make it back to your home. Mm -hmm. So I had somebody with me. In fact, probably every time I walked, you know, I just kind of had this great group of friends who, you know, somebody was signed up to walk with me whether it was down, around the block, around the cul-de-sac, or, you know, down the street as as I was able to get stronger. So in addition to meal train, you yes. had to sign up to walk with Laura train. That's right. <laughs> Which That's was right. more of a literal train, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. As you're thinking about people that might be going through this experience or maybe a similar surgery type experience, what advice would you give to them? Well, I think you Definitely have to listen to your body. You know, even though, you know, you might be listening like, wow, she got out and walked, you know, the day she got home. But I also allowed myself to take naps and to sit in a chair and to watch TV and to, you know, read books and to fall in and out of napping um, in those first few weeks. And in fact, I remember 
the first two weeks and really thinking, okay, I, you know, I didn't feel awful. I was, you know, definitely drowsy and, and sleepy. But then even four weeks in, I was thinking, wow, why am I so tired? And I remember saying to my husband, and he's like, because you just had major surgery. You know, give yourself the time. And so that was something I was told again and again. So I would give that advice to other people is to allow yourself the time to recover. Yes, movement's good. And yes, movement helps with recovery, I do believe. But you have to balance that with a lot of rest and a lot of listening to your body. And when your body says, ouch, you respond by, okay, I'm going to take a step back and allow it to heal. Because a lot of my healing was done from the inside out. The scars from the laparoscopic surgery healed pretty quickly but you really had to allow the internal, you know, muscles and and scarring to heal to be able to, you know, get to my goal of, you know, running again. So you were really patient with yourself during this time. Was there ever a time that you thought I have worked so hard to be in such good shape prior to this surgery? I am not progressing the way I want to be. Yes, I'm sure there were. I can't remember those times, probably because I've blocked them out. <laughs> but, you know, there were definitely times where I was like, well, I just really, I just, I feel like I should be able to run again. And, you know, I wasn't quite able to run yet. So just continuing to walk and then feeding your body with food and fuel um, that you know is good for you. That I think that was the big thing as I wasn't mobile was not just filling up on high fat, high carb, empty calories. So trying to balance the deliciousness of, you know, because I think when you're sedentary, you're, you tend to maybe want to eat a little bit more junk food. And I knew that wasn't going to help with recovery because, you know, obviously what anti-inflammatory benefits are there in, in Cheetos, <laughs> you know, compared to blueberries. So The orange color, right? <laughs> Might give you some energy just to look at it. Just to lick it off your fingers because the residue sticks. So yeah, just trying to make sure that, you know, you're doing some of those comfort foods, but also balancing it with your fruits and vegetables, because you know that's going to help you heal. You know, you know that there are healing benefits to different food groups. And so, yeah, trying to trying to make a balance. So your body has been in menopause now. Yes. Since this surgery. Yes. Tell us about the hormones. Oh, boy. Give us the dish. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, honestly, for the first four or five months, it was there weren't, there wasn't a lot of mood swings. And so I thought, oh, okay, maybe we get to skip this part. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's weird. I mean, you, you have, you no longer have, I mean, I, I was getting HRT. Let's, let's be upfront with that. Thank goodness I was able to get HRT, hormone replacement therapy. And in what form? Because there's different kinds, right? Yes. So I, my doctor put me on the patch okay. right after surgery. And that seemed like, you know, I've heard different people. I've talked to different people. You know, there's a cream, there's a pill. And in fact, I actually take sometimes a supplemental pill on some days. But for the most part, it's a patch twice a week. And so, yeah. So in the beginning, I thought, oh, well, you know what? With this patch, 
I seem to be okay. And then it started to hit. And there were some there were some moments where like words came out of me that and emotions like if you were gonna paint it a color, like it was like green and red and magenta. And I was like, Whoa, that's not me. Where'd that come from? So big mood swings with the hormones and but able to work out with the HRT plus really being mindful of any alcohol I took and drank and doing my own research and because I learned really quickly that caffeine and alcohol can increase mood swings. So I was like, okay, well then let's make sure we're not having a lot of that because those couple blowups that I had, you know, it wasn't me. And that was a little scary to see you acting a way that's not normal for yourself. So, you know, and it was scary for my family. And so I I didn't want that. So that's when I kind of did my own research and figured I also asked a lot of questions. My neighbor is also a friend and she's a pharmacist. Hmm. And so I asked her lots of questions and she actually had a hysterectomy um, the four years prior when I had the first surgery. And so I was able to kind of ask her a few questions and, you know, she was able to say, yeah, definitely you got to watch how much alcohol you have, how much caffeine you have, because those can increase your mood swings. And that's something I didn't want because it, it didn't feel good. Did you ever have to have that medication adjusted I did. And how'd you figure that out? So honestly, it was trial and error. You know, obviously with the recommendation of my doctor, she would suggest an amount. And so I actually, I did do some progesterone for a while. And then actually I found that that was making me, it it helped in the beginning with the estrogen patch. And then it hit a point where it was making me, a little bit depressed and I, I just felt, you know, my emotional well-being being different. And so I stopped the progesterone and just had the estrogen patch. And, you know, I there was a time like one day I woke up and I'd accidentally taken two progesterones because I was so tired and I felt amazing. And I was like, oh, so this is the way to go. And then it, I realized it wasn't. So there must have been a fluke. But really, it was a matter of just trying trial and error and taking something and then seeing how I felt. And just I think I had to really be in tune with my own emotional health and um, well-being and noting how I felt first thing in the morning, the amount of energy I had and how I treated other people. And did you write this down? I did. I did. I wrote it in my I just used my regular calendar that I use for meetings and kid things and whatnot. So I just, that way it was just one place. Um, I didn't have to have a separate notebook and just wrote down when I felt different ways and what I had taken and then kind of adjusted for myself. Um, And I did actually reach out to a friend and she mentioned that it, it does take about a year to get everything regulated and like the amount of hormones that you might need and whatnot. And so I actually found that out about six months in. And so I was like, okay, so I've got six more months to kind of figure things out. And so here we are a year later, and I feel like things are are at the right amount for now, at least. All right. So throughout this experience, 
Uh, you've had friends that have reached out, friends that have done meals and done walks and have been a sounding board. What do you wish that your friends would have done that they didn't do? And this question is for all those folks out there that are looking for what to do for their friends that are going through this experience or a similar one. And, you know, I knew this question was coming and I feel super blessed because I don't know that there is something, but I will list what they did do. So, you know, in the beginning, they did do, you know, for probably two weeks after we had some meals for a good month to six weeks. I had people walking with me, you know, they they figured out I had a good close group of my friends and they're like, okay, so who's going to walk with Laura? you know, on which day and how can we work around their busy schedules? And then, you know, I had friends just, you know, send me texts, send me, um, you know, notes in the mail, checking in on me. And I think that was enough, just feeling like and feeling like I could reach out when I had those moments of, you know, friends stop by, bring me coffee and then just sit and talk. That all was helpful because it was a lot to process and, I think it was probably easier to process with other girlfriends versus my house full of boys. Um, though we did talk to them and we talked to my teenage boys just about the whole process and about the menopause and about the hormones to help them to understand. Um, because one day somebody in their life is going to go through it too. So, And how did they react when you <laughs> told them that... Uh, You're getting your uterus taken out. (laughs) You know, one was like, oh, you know, you should be able to control those mood swings. And the other is like, "Okay, yeah, I understand. You know, we're still educating them in the fact that not everything can be controlled, especially when you're going through that time in your life. But I think they'll probably be better men having gone through that at the teenage years to understand that, you know, it's something that every woman goes through. Um, whether it's surgically induced or naturally. So being able to be supportive for the women in your life. What a great line of conversation to have with your kids. All right. So you've made it through a year. You're feeling better. You ran eight miles today. What are your goals? What's your next year going to bring? I mean, I think obviously we're going to run a half marathon in a matter of a few short months. So I think really just running that marathon, feeling prepared for it, feeling like when we start to run at the at the start line that it's we're gonna be finished and we're gonna be able to finish and it's gonna be not a big deal. I think that's one goal. Continuing just to be on this wellness journey and feel fit and feel strong and then sharing that with other people is definitely a goal because like I said, you know, when I started, when I knew the surgery was happening, I felt like it was not widely known that someone who's semi-fit and then they have surgery and then how long does it take to run and how long does it take to recover? So getting that, getting the word out, sharing about, and then sharing about menopause and continuing with this podcast. You know, that's one of the reasons why we're doing that because we want people to know because they you should know. I feel like sometimes the whole menopause is like something that's hushed and you shouldn't talk about. And, you know, like I just said, it happens to everybody. So if we don't, if you know, why not be better prepared if we're 
if we are more informed, then we know how to help people through it. And it can be an experience that's not so scary. And, you know, your daughters shouldn't not know what's coming. You know, we want to, we want them to know so they can be better prepared and then let their families know so they can be better prepared also. I mean, maybe be able, I don't know, maybe be able to do a pull-up. Oh, I mean, how cool would that be? That would be in the cool. next year. So, um, hopefully, we don't have any more COVID and the gyms stay open, and and that's something we can work towards. That'd be there a really go. cool goal. That is fantastic. So, thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for your insight, your honesty, your openness. I know that there are going to be people out there that are really going to benefit from your words, your research, your heart. So, with that. Enjoy your week. Go. Breathe. Move. Share kindness with others. You You got got this. Do you love Friends Fit 40s? Subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share the podcast with your friends. Tag us when you share so we know you are enjoying our work. Also, follow us on Instagram. Feel free to email us at friendsfit40s at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. 